day. Bump, first of all, happy to have the two of you here to break down this game. The two of you will be talking about it plenty leading up to the night itself, but this is our first real look at it. And Dave, I'll start with you here. I can think of no better way to start the season than a matchup with this defense. The team Pete Carroll wants to be against Wilson. Yeah, it's uh, obviously uh, the NFL did a really good job with the scheduling, <laughs> Props. you know, so uh, and they just happened to be playing the AFC West, you know, it could have it could have worked out, you know, where I mean, I think it worked out perfect. So I just think, that, you know, the big question is going to be and we've been talking about it on our show, what kind of reception is Russ going to get? And then I heard some guy on the radio on the way in saying he's going to turn the ball over on the first uh, possession. <laughs> Who said Who's that? that? Who's I that like guy? that. I like that prediction. <laughs> no, you said, uh, did you say first possession or you said second? Uh, I said second series. Specific. I said second series. Quandre, I mean, sorry, Tariq in good position. Quandre over the top, snatch it out the air. There you go. Yeah, so it's it's obviously uh, so many question marks. And, you know, for the Seahawks, you know, the whole thing, I just, their preseason didn't work out great. You know, uh, at least from my standpoint, you know, I mean, the coaches, they see every single snap that happens yeah. out on the field. And so much of who they keep and who's starting comes from that. You know, and that's that's the thing you always say with about coaches is that they're going to start the guys that make them feel comfortable, you know, and that they that you'll put a, a smaller guy out there, maybe a guy that's not as fast that always gets his assignments right. So uh, there's just a lot of question marks for us, though. We saw lots of missed tackles, lots of drop passes, you know, a lot of errors in the in the preseason. So we don't really know what we're going to get. The other thing is we didn't see guys like Quandre and, right. you know, Jamal and, of course, Jordan Brooks, who's going to be with us later. We just didn't see those guys play. Didn't really see much out of Cody Barton. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big mystery. But, you know, I think for both teams, I mean, how good is this Denver team? Uh, can Russell be the, you know, the one guy that really makes them? I know there's a few predictions. Lewis Riddick had um, the Broncos finishing last in the AFC West. Yeah. Uh, Bump, yeah. I want to get back to defense, obviously, because, again, that's going to be such a focus for Pete Carroll, new defensive coordinator, part of the program yeah. prior to this, but a new defensive coordinator bringing in two experts. But let's talk about offense for just a minute. All eyes will obviously be on Geno Smith, but then again on DK and Tyler, one of the best wide receivers. Wide receiver tandems in the league will have a new passer. I think to many it'll be a step down from Russell. But how can Geno still keep these two involved? I think to everybody it's a step down, yeah, right? That's kind of nice it's kind of been what everyone is saying. <laughs> and here's the thing about that situation: Geno has played with both these guys, right? He started four or five games last year, um, threw a couple touchdown passes to to DK, and then we saw him during the preseason. He only had three snaps with DK, but then that final preseason game, Tyler Lockett's in this offense, and Tyler Lockett just knows how to get open better than these other guys, than Derek Young, yeah. um, than, than all these other guys who are competing for a spot. So we got a sample, right? We don't really know what it's going to look like, but we got a sample. So what I focus on is just the scheme. How is Shane Waldron calling the game? They got to take into account, okay, this is a preseason game. It's not going to show you everything. So what, uh, as our, our homie Big Ray says, I wanted to see if the pass and the run were married, right? And that's what I did see. I saw Gina under center. I saw some boot. I saw that of Drew as well. Um, we saw them take some shots down the field. Penny Hart had two of the biggest plays of the, the preseason mm -hmm. um, down the sideline and a touchdown in the back of the end zone. So we, we saw enough to get an idea of what they are trying to accomplish, but you have to assume that as soon as 
the whole squad is out there. The number ones are out there. Now, there, there should be some more explosive plays. And I want to highlight D. Eskridge. I want to see how he affects yeah. this offense. I'm assuming he'll be that number three receiver. We'll see what Marquise Goodwin looks like. But uh, how he affects this game. Because last year, we were expecting him to be the jet sweep guy, the guy who gets defense going east and west. And he's just a different type of receiver. So, yeah, just like what uh, Dave Wyman was saying, man, we'll see because this is the first time everyone will be out there, and it's a, a huge game, big situation. You know, for those uh, the quarterbacks that were competing for Drew Locke and, and Geno Smith, obviously they're getting it done in practice. But in the Dallas game, Dallas's defense was running a zone, and there was four guys, you know, that were spaced, like, almost mm -hmm. eight to ten yards apart both high and low and Tyler Lockett ran a route and he was like I, I swear to God if you would have measured to each defensive player they would be equidistant <laughs> exactly so uh, you know, he just knows how to get open he knows how to run routes and so you know Gino and and Drew except for those two or three times that uh, that he was throwing the ball in Dallas you know, you just didn't get a chance with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf in the, in the preseason. So um, here, here's a little projection. So I used to sell mutual funds and stocks at, at, of course. at Merrill Lynch. Because when, <laughs> when, when the NFL retired on me, I, I, right. I, I was mad at them. So I wanted, yeah. I wanted to go do something totally different. So, but uh, there's a disclaimer that you read about mutual funds that past performance doesn't necessarily dictate mm -hmm. or indicate future performance. So there's that. But our guy, Brandon, son of Gustafson, put together <laughs> the stats from Geno Smith from last year. And if you extrapolate that out into 17 games, it would uh, it would project that he's a 68.42% passer, throws for just under 3,000 yards. And this is based on the numbers that he put up last year, not his whole career, but just those three and a half games. And, and one that I think is really interesting, he threw one interception that projects to just four interceptions. The one interception he threw was against the Rams. I don't know if you guys remember, Tyler Lockett got his feet mm -hmm. hit, and, you know, that was the only interception. But, you know, again, this is pretty gracious. You're projecting this forward. But 21 touchdowns, four picks, 103 passer rating, 55 sacks. I don't, you know, if he can handle it, I don't mind him getting 55 sacks if he's only throwing four picks. Right. But, you know, you look at what he has – put together and that was really his only chance to start under Pete Carroll and you know it was it was actually pretty good he didn't he did fumble the ball and that I know Brandon didn't put that in there the in the Pittsburgh game yeah and it was a pretty good player that caused the fumble TJ Watt but anyway you know I it you that's what you could get out of him possibly I yeah. mean if he plays his best football um, you know and then he has guys like Tyler Lockett who just know how to get open you know, it, it, it could work out okay this year for Geno Smith. So I think everybody has just written him off right. like, ah, we know what he's about. But, you know, that's that's how it projects. And if you gave, give him a good run game and a really good defense, that could really go a long way yeah. to him getting these numbers. The other parts of this team are going to matter a lot. We're going to bring on uh, John Boyle to wrap up the show. We'll get some injury updates from Pete Carroll. His press conference will be next and John Boyle later. Ken Walker, one to watch here. I don't think we were expecting him to be able to play week one. He's coming off of surgery, but it's sounding like Jordan Schultz that he may not be. Again, we may get an update here from Pete Carroll in uh, about 10 minutes or less here.
But um, a final question for you guys. Bump, I'll let you go first. Dave, I'll let you take the final word on this one. One of the big stories in this one is obviously going to be who has the upper hand. These are two teams, a head coach and a GM and a quarterback who know each other very, very well. Who has the upper hand? When it comes to familiarity, I'm going to say the Seahawks have the upper hand. Now, it's a different conversation when we're talking about personnel and execution and all that stuff. I'm going to say Seahawks have the upper hand because they know what Russell likes to do, his strengths and his weaknesses. I think the reason why Russell doesn't have the upper hand is because he's looking at a new defense. It's a 3-4 defense, right? He, he has seen this defense before. He just hadn't seen it here. He hadn't seen it coached by Hurt and Carl Scott and Desai, right? He's not, he doesn't have the, the key terms and, and certain little tendencies that they like to do within the system. Also, he doesn't have film to say, okay, when the ones are in, this is what they like to do. They're going to look at preseason film. They're going to try to break it down there and see what – and they'll be able to pull some things from that preseason film. But as far as knowing the opponent, the Hawks have the advantage of knowing Russell Wilson. Now the Hawks don't know what Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson are, are combining to do because apparently it's a partnership over there, right? They don't know what these two partners are coming in and, and trying to do. So I'd say the Hawks. All right. Uh, Dave, hold your, oh, I was going to say hold your thought on that one. <laughs> We're going to get back to this to wrap up the show, this exact same conversation. I'll let Dave kick that one off when we get to it uh, in about an hour and a half. Pete Carroll coming your way next. Don't go anywhere. This is the huddle. Who's got the upper hand here? They know each other so well. Yeah, I'm with Bump. I, I think it's that uh, the Seahawks know the the player better. You know, they know some of the tendencies. The other thing is, you know, like like Mike was saying, you 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 don't really know what you're going to get out of this defense. You haven't really seen it. It's hard to see it in the preseason. And you know, whenever you have coaching changes, it's always a mystery, right? You know, when you go into a, you know week five, six, you'll know all their tendencies, but. A lot of times I remember going into week one, we would have to, because preseason they don't show you that much. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you'd have to go and look at uh, like another team that that coach coached, yeah. you know. And so, yeah, I don't know what he's going to do to look at, you know, uh, Clint Hurt's defense and, you know, figure anything out because you, know, you didn't really see that much of it. And that was the one thing that they said a lot during the preseason was that uh, they weren't going to show very much of what their defense is going to do this year. Yeah, and what the Hawks got to go back and look at some Green Bay film, you yeah, know, to, to see what's exactly. going on there. I remember when uh, Bruce DeHaven was the special teams guy here. Obviously, I was a special team guy. And, um, I mean, we'd be watching. We're playing the Niners, and we're watching the Bills. You right. know what I mean? So, and the tough part about that is that you're not seeing the actual players. Now you're just looking at scheme and what they're trying to accomplish. When you watch film, you know, we're breaking down. Guys, I know on my third step, he's going to turn his hips, you know, and I'll have a tendency to watch. So, and that's what's great about week one too is that you never really know we got the bills and the rams tonight like they have an idea but there's always going to be some wrinkles you know is matthew stafford's elbow going to be good to go week one is uh is the week of the unknown really yeah it's it's the toughest one i think to to prepare for and then you know during the preseason you're not even used to that was the thing i always remembered about camp was all about you you put in your defense what yeah. you run during the week it's all about them you know, you're not you're not installing things. You're paring your your call sheet down a little bit based on what they do offensively. But all you do is sit and study what they have been doing. And yep. it's just tough to do, like you said. All right. And going to Pete Carroll right now. Welcome. Uh, here we go. Uh, this is a it's a, such an exciting time of year for uh, for everybody. Everybody loves, loves the ball and loves the NFL and all that. But our fans are 12. Our players and our people that, that follow us so closely, this is a big deal for us opening up. Um, regardless of who it was or where we were going or whatever, it happens to be Monday night, which is, which is a blast. And 
we're, we've done a lot of good things to get to this point. We're excited to see how it goes. We'll finally get everybody on the field uh, that, that, uh, that didn't have the chance in, in preseason. And uh, so we're cranked up, and, and uh, I'm kind of counting on the 12 to enjoy the night. Pete, running the ball has always been an important part of this offense, but when you think about Denver's defense and kind of what's happening, does it become a bigger deal on Monday? Um, it's it's no bigger deal this game this matchup than it is at any other time you know it's about having balance in your offense and making sure that you can you know do the things that you need to do and want to do and and so we'll we'll find out you know we'll see how they how they're situated and how they play us but we'll we basically have our plan in order and we know what you know what we want to get done and um, you know we got some guys who are anxious to get the ball in their hands We're, I'm excited about that. This week become any more just about you guys than the other team. There's, it doesn't matter what last year's stats were. It's completely different teams. So does it become much more of like the self scout this week than, than anything else? Yeah, you know, there's there's so much uh, opinion out there, uh, you know, and everything's based on what what happened. You know, basically what it was before and, and all of that. Um, they've got a new coach and, and new quarterback and, and you know, new coordinators and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we can watch preseason and kind of guess what they're going to do, but we're, we're going to have to find out. Um, so we have to be ready for to adjust on both sides of the ball and all facets because it's the first game and people don't always show you stuff, as, and I'm sure that they haven't. So um, so we'll see how, how that goes. But uh, it, there's nothing really, there's nothing different about this game than any other game in terms of that they're all the biggest game we could ever play. It's the only game we got. And so uh, we, it's a championship opportunity for us to go out there and play in an extraordinarily fun setting. And, and we, fortunately, we're at home, and we're going to try to you know max this thing out and go for it. What do you think it'll be like to see Russell across the field in a different uniform? <laughs> What's it going to be like? Um, it's not going to be anything different than it ever would be. It's not, why would it be something different? I mean, you know, he's a terrific player, and he's going to do his thing over there just like all the guys we play. Um, this has been a long time coming. You know, it's not like just you know we just changed changed uniforms last week. You know, so uh, we're we're in good shape, and I'm not in any way uh, expecting it to be anything different. How do you defend him after coaching him for 10 years? Well, really well, I hope. Um, we're going to plan on that. Um, really, Greg, <laughs> you don't think I'm going to tell you, do you? I'm not. You know, we have a lot of things that we're going to do and a lot of things that we, we have a ton of information. We have as much information as we've ever had going into a game. And uh, hopefully that information and the process of getting to here, uh, you know, we can, we can capitalize on. And um, so... That's all, you know, that's all I can really tell you about the game plan. Do you think this good, game good try, though. Do you think this game being the season opener and Russ not having played in an actual game with this new offense maybe gives a little more of an advantage to you and your coaching staff knowing him? Well, I don't know. I mean, you have to ask their coach, you know, and see what he thinks. You know, they, they obviously chose to do it that way and, and uh, so he, he obviously I don't think he would try to put them at a disadvantage. You know, he thinks that it's going to work out. I, I don't know. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Can't tell. It's a guess. Was it any uh, importance to the fact that Drew played for Denver, uh, you know, in the position battle between him and Gino, that you guys picked Gino to start in the season in the season opener? Was it you know try to not make a contrast? You know, he was the the quarterback of them. Now he's our quarterback. So, so let's protect him some somehow and let's go with Chino in the first game. No, that, that really didn't enter into the thinking. Yeah, I appreciate we, we, the thought there, but we're, that's not entering into the thinking at all. We went through a competition um, that really was 
playing itself out, and, and it eventually came out. You know, with Gino was the guy. Gino was in, in the first spot the whole time, and so uh, you know Drew had to knock him out of it. And unfortunately, he missed he missed the final opportunity to to make a statement. He did a lot of really good things in preseason and uh, and in camp and in all of that. We had no. No concerns that he couldn't handle it or the, the matchup being the Denver thing that no, had nothing to do with any of that. Uh, really, it just played itself out on the field really clearly. You could, uh, of all the quarterbacks you've worked with over the years, if you could go into a lab and create your ideal quarterback, what traits would that quarterback have and what would that quarterback do on the field? There has never been a more perfect guy than Carson Palmer. I mean, he was perfect. You know, he was big, he was strong, he was fast. He was a great athlete. He was a great competitor. Um, you know, number one pick in the draft, Heisman Trophy winner, the whole thing, you know, and, and uh, I always thought that he was as perfect as you could get, you know, and um, so if, if that's what you're asking. A lot of speculation about how Russell's going to be received. That's a good shot for Carson right now. He just, he gets to hear that, you know, you go, hey, all right, I still got it. A lot of speculation about how Russell's going to be received by fans. We got a, a little sample when he was at, uh, when they showed his video tribute at Climb Pleasure Arena, mm -hmm. there was some some booze from the crowd. I know you're not going to tell how you know fans how to feel, but you know he's done a lot of good here as well. I'm just curious how how you think he should be received when he comes back. <laughs> you have to already tell me what I'm supposed to say here. Um, hey, you're either competing or you're not. I'm leaving up the twelves, and uh, you know it's game time and, and we're going for it. And so, however they take it, I'll follow their lead on that. I mean, I'm not going to be involved with that kind of opportunity to react, you know, so I'm, I'm not, I don't have to make that decision. I, I will see what happens, but uh, I'm leaving up to the 12s. I think they'll know exactly what to do. For Gino, it's been eight years since he's been a starter to open a season. That's probably, it's very uncommon in the NFL if he's yeah. had the kind of gap. Just how have you seen him kind of handling this opportunity and maybe what are the conversations like? Um, and, you know, we've worked really hard to just keep one step at a time, keep going and, and keep your head down. And that's what he's done. You know, he's really just every step of the way he's been on it. He's presented himself in the best light. He's been there for everything. He's been on it. He's been consistent. You know, he, he could have had an extraordinary preseason. You know, if you go back, he had a lot of balls got dropped in, in his preseason and could have been 10 for 10, could have been 6 for 6 in the last one, you know, and, and I don't know, like 14 for 18 in the second game, you know, so he he was on it all the way throughout. And that's it. As we look at it, that's what we're, you know, evaluating. And so as we get to this game, uh, you know, I'm I'm working the whole team to, to to be very even about how we handle it. We're, we're going to be absolutely jacked about the game and excited to play and all that. But we have to maintain our the, the mentality so that we can perform at our best. And getting all crazed and, 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 and whacked out for one reason or the other is not in line with how we think or operate around here. So Gino's done a great job of leading in that regard. He's been steady as you can be, and, and he's been consistent, and he's been a, a really good leader as well. So um, I expect him to handle it well. I mean, he's been around. You know, he's been around a long time. And uh, it's a big deal to him, obviously. It should be, and it is. But um, he knows he's been with us. I really feel like he's going to be calm and, and chilled the way he needs to be and, and, and uh, go out there and cut it up the way he's supposed to. Is there any gamesmanship you can play with Russell? I mean, if you see him before the game, do you tell him the dimensions of the field are different? Well, let's talk about that. What could we do? No, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> Would there be? Yeah. Could there be? Yeah. Will I? <laughs> you know, it's game. Like I said, we're, we're, think about it. I've never stood for anything other than competing. And so whatever it takes to get us in the right position to get done what we want to get done is going to happen, and uh, hopefully. And, and uh, so and could you let it rip. Could you 
move the play clock? I mean, he's played there all the all these years. He's used to looking at one particular spot. You better watch out and see where it is. <laughs> hey, Pete. <laughs> yeah. You named captains this week in a game full of emotions. You know, some rookies might start with that. You talked about it. How do you look to your captains to, you know, maybe talk to the team like you said, keep an even keel from start to finish? Yeah, well, the, um, the conversation in preparation for the games coming up, we've been on this topic for some time now. Um, so as we draw closer to the game, we come back to the, you know, to the really key issues. And, and part of that is, uh, a big part of that is our guys, I mean, if you were in our meeting and I asked those guys, you would hear the things that, that I'm going to tell you. They know that it, it's, it's, it's a game, it's football. We love it. We've been doing it our whole life. And uh, we don't want to make it something that it isn't. We want to make sure that we have a very clear mind and very clear intent of how we're going to execute. And I'm not, and all of that is to say that we want to function like we're capable. And that's how our leaders will talk. They, they believe that. They know that that's the right way to go about it. And so uh, to make this into something that it isn't is a big mistake. You know, and we've been we've been pretty successful in, in prime time situations for years, and I think that there's been a there's been a golden thread there that runs throughout, and and uh, it's about taking it on and performing like you're capable, regardless of what the circumstances are. So, you know, that's what these guys know, and that's what they're and they're going to attempt to do. That ain't easy, you know. It ain't easy. If you could do it, everybody do it, you know. And and so uh, that's that's what we're working on, and that's why this is such a, a great opener for us with all of the buildup and that we have to put that where it is and go play the game that we're capable of playing. Each year's team brings a new group to the table, new character, new identity, that sort of thing. What do you, what do you think this year's team's identity is going to be? Uh, it's very positive, optimistic. Um, they're they're really uh, supportive of one another. Um, you don't see guys, you know, trying to draw off to themselves and get in their own little world. Uh, they're very much for one another, and it's a, it's it's the kind of mentality that you hope to have, you know. And, and uh, that's why I said a long time here. We have a lot of leaders, and we picked some captains, but there's other guys as well, and they all stand for the right message about pulling for the guy next to them. And so, um, I, I think that's that's until we go through the experiences that allow you to come together, which inevitably will occur, um, that's where we, we begin. And so it's a good place we're coming from. Um, they're going to be really jacked and they're going to be really supportive of, of one another. And so that's, we'll see how far that takes us to get started. You've talked a lot about the speed of your team, but what excites you most about your defense? Yeah, well, that we, we can fly now. We, we're fast as, as we've ever been. And uh, the edge speed is, is legit. Uh, and we have guys to come off the bench and support us in rotation in, in that regard as well. Um, you know, or now that we've had a, a full camp with our safeties practicing together and working together, um, that's a big part of, uh, of those guys on that side, you know, and, and uh, they, run the, they run the show back there too, which is great. Quandry's a great leader and a, and a great football player, and, and he means a lot to a lot of guys play and, and all that. So. Richard Sherman's been in the building um, a lot lately. Um, all the guys seem to love him. Just curious uh, what what uh, impact you think he's having on some of the players and, and maybe <clears throat> contrast the, the public perception that some people might have of him versus, you know, how, how the guy here. Yeah, I think um, Sherman is, is kind of um, just a connection to a lot of guys. Um, KJ's been around. Uh, our, our guys followed Doug and, and, and uh, Curse were out here. Um, they, they've been close to us, and, and they felt uh, good about coming back. Um, and I, I think that's uh, it's what I always hoped would happen going through the years with our guys together, you know, that they would feel comfortable, they would feel connected, and they would be welcomed. And, uh, and so that's, I think, Sherman's 
And I know he's, he's fired up about watching our guys, too. You know, he's really fired up about the DBs and, and all that. So he's been around, and he's been a fun part. The, the guys really do look up to him. They know he's a great player, and he's a great performer, and he's a big character and all of that. Um, I, I think the contrast is where you would think that because he went somewhere else, you know, that uh, you know, he, he did it because he had issues that you know, he would never be able to you know, deal with or whatever. That's not the case. We, we, the stuff we do here, the, the relationships that we build here, and, and the care that we share in, in this process, it's way beyond your year's plan. And uh, it's, it's, that's, I think it's an indication. Uh, I know there's a lot of guys, a lot of our guys that play with us that are they're fired up about this game too. And they want to see this game go, uh, you know, our way, and, and they're they're jacked about it. And I know I'm representing a lot of that, you know, whether it's Sean or you know, I heard from Chris Clemens uh, the other day, and I mean, they're all kinds of guys, you know. And and uh, so, um, I think he's 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 just part of the connection. And when anybody shows up, it's an extension of that. All right, that was the latest from head coach Pete Carroll. Jordan Brooks joining us later this hour. Don't go anywhere. This is the huddle. Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett sp spoke with reporters today. Let's hear from the two of them. First of all, uh, just appreciate you guys. I, you know, I know this is normally a phone call, but I figured, you know what? I spent all these 10 years with you guys. I thought it was uh, important that we get on the Zoom and just I want you guys to see me face to face. And I'm in a little comfort room here. And I got practice here in a second. But I just wanted to say hello to you guys. All right, Bob, get us off. Okay. Hey, have you, uh, have you given much thought to what kind of reaction you might get from the fans here Monday night and what you think it might be? Um, you know, first of all, I know that you know, you've got some of the best fans in the world there. Obviously, I was most fortunate to play there for 10 years. I know they'll be rowdy. I know they'll be uh, excited. I know that it's Monday Night Football, so it'll be a special environment. And listen, I, I think that I gave my heart and soul every day. You know, I, don't, I know nothing less. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully it'll be positive. But at the same time, at the end of the day, I know we've got, we got a game to play and everything else. But I, I'll say this, you know, my time in Seattle was special. You know, 10 years of um, some amazing games, some amazing moments. Had to play a hundred plus games in that. I think hundred. I think it was hundred plus games in that stadium. Something crazy like that. Um, home games and everything else. So, uh, stadium means a lot to me. The, the, uh, those fans too, 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 as well. And, and uh, but I think also too, you know, I, I think that the city has meant the world to me. I, you know, for me, Bob, it was like, um, you know, I think about my my daughter, Sienna. I think about women, you know, them, them being born, flying home to Seattle. I think about baby future, just. Think about you know the bond that we had. I think about just you know that whole experience and just the journey of raising my kids there. It was a special place for me and a special place for my family and our hearts. So, and I think of all the kids at Seattle Children's and Wanayu Academy as well. You know, so um, but I got a lot of amazing teammates on the other side too. You know, obviously and DK and Tyler and Jamal and Quandre and so many other guys. I mean, I can go down the list. Um, the guys I got to play with like Bobby and so many others. So I, I'm just grateful for the time I was able to be there and just to. What a gift. What, a, what an amazing gift in my life. Go for it, Corbin. Hey, Russ, thanks for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, obviously, yeah. you're happy with your current situation, but when you found out you were officially going to Denver, what was the toughest part for you after spending a decade here, all the success that you'd had on and off the field, leaving Seattle? It's a good question. Um, I think that, um, I think that you know, I've always dreamed of, like I said, I – you know, I always dreamed of being there, you know, I, you know, my whole career, you know, that was always kind of my thought, you know, and, um, I've always told you guys this, Derek Jeter was my favorite athlete and everything else and everything else. But, um, but I think that just, um, knowing that life is going to change, you know, a bit and the time and energy, I think you spend in something and knowing that it's, um, sometimes not forever. And it doesn't mean that, um, it wasn't worthwhile. It doesn't mean that every second, you know, I would, I wouldn't, you know, do something different. I, 
you know, I gave everything, you know, that I had, you know, and so I cherish every second of it. And so, um, you know, I think the hardest part is, you know, in that, you know, I had to, you know, leaving kids in Seattle children's, unfortunately, and not being able to be around them as much, you know, and, um, and, and our, obviously our school and all that one at you Academy and just, it's a life-changing, you know, time, you know, and so for me, you have to be able to adjust. And I think anytime that there's been change, you have to be able to adjust in your world and no matter who you are, no matter if, um, you know, we, we go through health issues, no matter if, you know, obviously all went through COVID and life changed us all and everything else, all the different things we've gone through. Um, and so, but also Seattle changed me uh, for the better too. You know, it changed me for the better. It taught me about life and it taught me about relationships, it taught me about, you know, just um, how to find joy in everything, you know, and uh, so I'm grateful for every second of it. it. Taught me how to, you know, play the game even better and just uh, doing what I love to do. So, um, you know, and I think that, you know, starting over and having to, you know, revamp is, is a challenge, but you no, know, I never feared, feared any challenges ever. All right. This is the huddle. That was former Seahawk Russell Wilson. How about a current Seahawk? Jordan Brooks joins us next. Don't go anywhere. Middle linebacker Jordan Brooks. Jordan, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Yeah. It's, any nerves ahead of this first game? I know the easy, easy answer is no, but Monday Night Football, man. Prime time, anything? Just a little anxious, you know, yeah. excitement more than anything. I told these guys I wore long pants today, so you wouldn't be discouraged looking at what nine years as a linebacker in the NFL. <laughs> but you've been very generous. You've been, yeah, well, for you guys too. Uh, you've you've been pretty pretty good as far as injuries go. I mean, I, I think you missed a little bit your rookie year, but uh, tell us about your off season routine. Um, you know, just staying in the staying in the weight room, um, making sure I'm on top of everything as far as building strength. Um, you know, conditioning. I did a lot of that this off season, and so just making sure I take care of my body and the diet. You know that that all goes in hand in hand, and so so that I can you know withstand a 17 week season. With your conditioning, do you uh, do you try to do like low impact stuff, like working pool, bike, stuff like that, or is it just running? I do a lot of track workouts um, where I train in Houston. You know, our trainer. You know. He, he's a big believer in track workouts and that type of conditioning. So that was that that was most of my conditioning this offseason. Jordan, what's the week been like for you guys so far? I mean, you got your, your starters out there now. Like, it's a different transition from preseason um, to where a lot of the young guys are getting going. But now, you know, the dogs are out there. The ones are out there. What's the intensity and, and mental like out there this week? Uh, I would say, like, a sense of urgency. Um, I think everybody knows what it is. Monday night, you know, first game in the season. Um Made no, made no mistake about it. You know, we know what we got ahead of us. And so I think it's a, a sense of urgency and, and, you know, and the excitement as well. You've played opposite Russell before, obviously, in practice. So it's not like you're unfamiliar with the feeling. But does anything change with him being on a new offense? As far as what? As far as uh, how you're viewing what he can do. I mean, he's got some different weapons there. What's it like prepping for him this week? Obviously, you know him well, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think we just treat it like any other team. Uh, can't get too caught up in all the, you know, the hype stuff. Yeah. Just treat it like, a, like any other game. And so that's been the preparation for me as well as the guys. And so um, obviously, you know, we had Russ here. Uh, we know what he's capable of. We know, you know, things that he likes to do. And so, you know, the game plan is just go out there and win and do everything we can to stop him and the rest of the offense. He's just number three, right? Yeah. The quarterback. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What about um, we're in the green dot? Is that uh, you, you've got the communication with the coach? And tell us about uh, that uh, adjustment. Uh, I mean, it's not nothing new for me. 
uh, maybe on this level, but I mean, I've done it in high school, done sure. it in college. So uh, it's kind of like getting back to the old way of things for me. And so it's been pretty good. Uh, hearing Coach hurting in the huddle sometimes. <laughs> he likes to breathe on the, the walkie-talkie sometimes. I got to tell him to back up sometimes. But, uh, There's some colorful language yeah, that comes out. Definitely. Yeah, yeah I think so, I read somewhere you said he, he yells a lot. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I got to tell him, hey, you got to back up from the from the headset, man. It's too loud in my ears. <laughs> but, no, it's been pretty cool, you know, being able to communicate and then, you know, getting everybody lined up. What's your relationship like with, with Cody, man? You seem like a, a mellow type of dude, and Cody seems like he's wound up, uh, ready to go, and obviously he's going to be playing right next to you um, all this season, hopefully. Uh, what's that relationship like in, in the box? It's pretty it's pretty cool, man. Like, Cody was the first guy to speak to me when I first got here, and so, you know, our, our relationship goes back to my rookie year, but it, it's good to see him finally get in there. You know, he's been waiting for a long time, and so I'm, I'm excited for him, and I, you know, me personally, I think he's a hell of a player, you know, and I think we're about to find out. Everybody else is about to find out here soon. Yeah. But, um, you know, our relationship is great. You know, we're the, we're the inside guys out there. We're the ones communicating. So we got to be on we got to be on a string together. And so I think we've been we've been great. You guys ever hang out outside of uh, outside of the building? Yeah, Cody always loves on. the thing about Cody. He he loves to cook steaks and. He's not the best at cooking steaks. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, he, he'll have people come over to his house and eat steaks all the time. I, I, I come through, but uh, I, I wouldn't give him a, a, a It's tent. a good test of thrift. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You'd think he'd get better, though. Yeah. Has is he, is he improved? Uh, I don't think so. Well, no, because you keep saying you like it. You keep being like, these are the best steaks, right? And then he's going mean, to make them exactly that way. Yeah, I got to stop being a yes, man. That's exactly what it is, Jordan. You have to say no, Cody. It's not good enough. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, when you, you came out of I always talked about this about you because, um, you know, it looked like at Texas Tech you didn't drop into, like, zone coverage a lot. There was a lot of man-to-man. You were spying, things like that. I'll never forget, down in Arizona, you picked up a deep crosser and, and broke up the pass. Like, you, you got on that, like, right away, it seemed like. I mean, that was – that was uh, it just looked like you'd been doing it for years. Did you take some pride in that, obviously? What was that – you know, how, how did that come about? Is it just – you just hadn't done it before? Yeah, I mean, the whole thing was, you know, coming out of college was about that, you know, me not dropping in the coverage. But people didn't, you know, take the time to really look at what it was. And what it was was that we played in the Big 12. And, you know, in college, it's a bunch of dual-threat quarterbacks, and they're athletes and not like pocket passes. And we had a three-man rush that wasn't great. And so my coach wanted to put the best athlete on the best athlete. So I was the spy most of the time. But um, my athletic ability, you know, I've been gifted with great speed and instincts to to be able to do anything on the field. And so as far as covering over routes and whatever they want to throw at me, I'm equipped for it. What are your thoughts on uh, Tariq Woolen, man? The rookie looks like he's going to get his first start. Are you you blessing him with some knowledge of how to how to approach this week? I'm sure it's a collective effort with the the veterans you have on the team. But what have you seen out of him and and what what should we expect out of him? I can't wait to see. Um, He's he's exciting to me. Uh, Just his, you know, his length. His guy giving speed. I mean, he's got all the tools you need to be great at this game. Um, thing for him, he's just got to keep getting smarter. You know, keep getting comfortable, keep gaining his confidence, especially playing cornerback. Yeah. And so that's that's going to be his challenge. You know, gaining confidence. But I'm not worried about Tyreek. I think he's been great all OTAs, all camp. So the sky's the limit for him. So. So what do you like to do off the field when you're away from football, Jordan? Besides eat steak. <laughs> Besides go to Cody's and eat, eat really bad some steak. rough steak. Like horrible steak. <laughs> yeah, <yep. laughs> um, 
I like I I, I love music. I got a, a mini studio in my house, and I you know I make I make music from time to time. Oh, cool. Um, that's just another passion of mine. I like to do just to get my mind off of everything, um, and really just chill. You know, take my time off and just enjoy life. You know, sometimes this can be a lot, so just you know enjoy life so do you do like the electronic music yeah uh i got a like a, a electronic piano uh yeah. and a beat pad where it can make wow. beats and all these oh, different nice. things and so it's pretty cool i like to create so yeah. that's what it is be so creative my daughter does that absolutely her, her name's like kendall <laughs> that's her dj if you've ever check it out yeah, yeah it's it's not like my kind of music but yeah, yeah she's trying to make a career out of it that's yeah. pretty cool yeah that's pretty cool what's uh <laughs> what's on your playlist when i was playing my voices to get on me right i get all hyped up then i finished with a little mariah carey and stuff like, what you doing <laughs> listening to mariah carey i'm like man you got to get in the zone out of mellow out a little <laughs> well, bit you did that before games before games i get hyped oh, up whoa, whoa. and then mariah mariah would, would slow me you back need to down. know bump is from a different era where mariah was <laughs> yeah, a huge yeah. thing he also yeah. had some weird pregame rituals or something yeah. about you and your quarterback different. i'm just a different cat you know they had to go to the bathroom at the same time yeah y'all make it sound more weird than it what it is, is though. <laughs> I don't know. Man, come on, dude. <laughs> I, <don't Jordan>. know. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not I can't judge. Like I said, I love music, so I don't really have a a playlist. Like I, I literally listen to anything. Um if it's good music, it's good music, whether it's rock, country, rap, R and B, like I, I just like it if it's a good song. And so I just kinda you know, before the games, I like to listen to gospel. Um oh. just kinda, you know, get in it you know soothing out and then you know a little bit closer to game time i might put some hip-hop on give me up you know and so it just depends on the time but yeah. i'm every genre for yeah. me then comes the mariah <laughs> all right that was my gospel he is, was, yeah. he is music lover jordan brooks i feel like we learned something new jordan thank you so much for taking the time good luck monday night yes ma'am thank you all right this is the huddle ray roberts ray how's it going ahead of this monday night football showdown yeah, we're getting super excited and trying not to uh, argue and fight with people on Twitter and all that. You know, just kind of <laughs> rounding into my regular, like, in-season persona. <laughs> Come on, Ray. You don't try to not fight with people on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I try really hard. Uh, I don't know about that, brother. <laughs> and I don't, I'm not even on Twitter. So. You should be. Yeah, but I try to get you on there. I know, Big Ray, I know that when he calls you Haas, that means that you have done him wrong. When we were were coaching together, he'd be like, you know, I would complain about some, well, Haas, uh, you know, what are you going to do about the the backside of that defense there? Like, "Uh oh, yeah, so, (laughs) oh, man. Uh, Well, Ray, uh, what do you, uh, have you taken a look at all at at the offensive line that, uh, and we can talk to you about other things than offensive Mm -hmm. line, but, you know, you look at um, what's protecting Russell Wilson and, you know, Garrett Bowles kind of stands out a little bit. I'm I'm not sure how their offensive line ranks, but we know a lot of it, um, you know, of of Russ wanting out of here was that there was some feelings that, uh, that, he didn't have the offensive line that he needed. I know he kind of pissed off Dwayne Brown a little bit, but uh, what do you think about the offensive line in Denver? Uh, well, I, I think the you know the offensive line in Denver they've talked a lot of big games on on Twitter about uh, you know how they how they want to protect Russ or going to protect Russ you know better than than he was here and you know just all that stuff, Dave. You know it's easy to easy to say when you're running around and you know with no pads on and things like that, but when yeah. you start 
playing for the real paychecks, uh, you know, that, that becomes a different ball game, you know, and, and some of these guys have, uh, you know, on this defense are, are biting at the bit to, to get at Russell or to just play against another team and, and really get the season started to prove the naysayers wrong and all that kind of stuff. But I would expect that they, they're probably going to do a lot of, uh, I don't think they're going to do a whole lot of just five man protections. I think they're going to try to do some max protection and play action pass to kind of buy time to push the ball down the field the way Russell, Russell likes to. And then that also maximizes their chance to and pass block. And if you have, you know, a, a tight end and a running back or, or one of those combinations with the five down linemen, you can, you can pretty much secure, you know, a running back, uh, a quarterback in that situation. Cause you have five, you know, four versus five or six. So I would, I would expect to see a lot of that in protecting Russ to make sure that he has the greatest chance at being successful on Monday. Ray, when we watch the games together in the press box, we always try to predict the first play, right? And for the Seahawks. Now, I think we're both on the same page. It better be a run play, right? Just to ease ease into this game. But now my question to you is, would I run to Charles Cross's side and leave Abe backside climbing, or would you flip it the other way to Abe and let Cross climb? No, if if we're running the ball, I'm running behind uh, Gabe Jackson and, and Abe Lucas. Uh, I think Charles Cross is going to be like an elite level pass blocker. I still think that he has to um, develop the the dog in him to be like a really physical run blocker. I think he does a good job getting to the guys he needs to go to, but I don't haven't seen him with the, that desire to truly finish a dude the way I've seen uh, Abe Lucas do it. And so I think most teams are normally right-handed, but I would see them, you know, especially with the way Penny ran last year, maybe starting out with like the split zone where he has a chance to hit the front side hole between the right guard and right tackle, or he can cut it, uh, you know, to the backside and, and, and then get behind the center and the left guard. So uh, to me, that would be the best situation to start the game out, especially with the way Penny ran, uh, ran uh, that particular play during the season, during last season. Now, Ray, as Dave mentioned, this is technically in the trenches with Ray Roberts on the huddle, but we don't just have to focus on offense. In fact, I want to know which defensive player you are most curious to watch uh, opposite Russell. Well, I've been saying this all preseason, and and it started last year with Daryl Taylor. Daryl Taylor is a dude that even when you're watching practice, he jumps off the screen even when he's not even in, he's just on the sideline and you just can't, you can't even watch what's happening on the play. Cause you're trying to see what dance movie's going to do next. But, uh, and he's one of those dudes that is just standing still. He looks like he's moving fast. And so with a, a year under his belt, which, you know, last year was basically like his rookie year because he's injured his, his true rookie year. Uh, and without some of the injuries he had last year, he was on track to have at least 10 or 11 or 12 sacks. And so he's a dude that I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, fully healthy with a full training camp under his belt with a full year of experience under his belt and then seeing what he brings to the table. And then on the other side of that is, uh, is uh, Uchenna, just like trying to see how he's going to complement the pass rush and like what he's going to bring to the table. And, uh, and so I, I think those two players to me will be, will be who I watch. And then you can't help but uh, want to watch the smooth criminal, Mike Jackson, you know? And so uh, <laughs> he's a guy like Bumpus said in, in his, uh, YouTube um, video that he came and put the work in. He competed every day. He showed up, made plays every day in every place they put him in, and he finds himself in a position to start. So it'll be really interesting to see how he plays uh, this uh, Monday as well.
Yeah, that, that guy was one of my favorites in the preseason. I mean, he just was covering people. He was, he really is, and he sat behind pro bowlers his whole career. Yeah. But uh, hey, what did you think about the captains? I, I loved that. Uh, it first of all, it's voted on by the team, but I love that Al Woods and Quandre Diggs uh, are the two guys on uh, on defense, and just shows a lot of respect. Especially Al Woods was just a battler last year, and then on the other side, you had Tyler Lockett and you had Nick Bellor on on special teams but uh your thoughts on uh, on those selections well i like the combination of it because al woods and Diggs, they just they do the dirty work man yeah. like they're they're dudes like you know Diggs still doesn't get the 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 respect that he deserves across the across the league and all he does is just make plays he's a, a huge band-aid for some of the mistakes in the secondary he makes big hits turnovers you know uh sometimes his positioning takes away plays and so he does a lot of stuff that doesn't always show up on the stat book, but we know that he's doing the dirty work. And then Al Woods just always, I mean, this dude is in a street fight every single play. And if there's going to be someone in a street fight that I'm walking with, I want it to be Al Woods. The dude is huge, big arms, like everything. <laughs> I met him on the elevator and was just like, man, should I speak to this dude or not? Like, he's a big guy. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and then on the other side, Tyler Lockett is like the philosopher. You know what I'm saying? He's like H&R Block. When he talks, people listen. You know, he doesn't say a whole lot, but when he has something to say, it's what needs to be said. And it's not a, he's not a dude that promotes himself and, and uh, you know, speaks about how humble he is. He just lives that way, and you just and you absorb, you know, what he has to say and what he, and what he does. And then, and then Nick Ballor just seems like a dude that uh, brings a lot of energy, you know, and he's a funny dude, keeps it kind of light. You know, so that when when the when the other leadership is getting you know big and heavy, uh, you know sometimes you got to lighten the room up a little bit. And so I, I think it's a good combination of leadership skills and and what they bring to the table. Couldn't agree more. He is Ray Roberts. Joins us every single Thursday on the Huddle, and I'm going to cut this conversation between the four of us short. But you can hear all three of these guys on Monday night. Uh, Dave Wyman, obviously, with color commentary on with Raves and Ray Roberts on pre and post game show. Ray, you were going to have a long day. You and Michael Bumpus with a three hour pre game show, three hour post. When you guys are listening to the broadcast, Ray, thanks so much for taking the time. Well, thanks for having me. And uh, obviously, like, you know, Bump is my guy. He, he's going to hold it down in the pregame and postgame. And then, Dave, you know I'm going to be listening for those slip-ups. Uh, <laughs> I, like, I like Dave's cheer. Just, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I, I'll try to keep my mouth shut during the plays. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Ray. See you, Ray. See All right, Ray. guys. Have a good one. Speaking of the broadcast, the other half of the Seahawks broadcast, Steve Rabel will join us next. Don't go anywhere. This is the huddle. Joining us now, one half of the broadcast, voice of the Seahawks, play-by-play man, Steve Rabel. Rabes, how's it going? Kid, how are we today? We are excited. Uh, we had Jordan Brooks earlier who didn't admit that he was nervous. I don't think he's nervous, but said he was anxious. I think that's how a lot of Seahawks fans feel. Rabes, this is easily the most anticipated game of the season, and here it is in week one. Yeah, I mean, we've been waiting since whenever the trade went through back in March uh, to see how this one was going to shake out. And now to have, have the game almost here, it'll be the last game of opening weekend. So all eyes are going to be on this one. And, uh, you know, the, certainly the, the NFL gods knew when the trade was made and they knew we were playing Denver that this just had to be one of the feature games of the opening weekend. And by golly, it is. Well, I think Pete Carroll was asked about, uh, you know, the what's the reception going to be for Russell Wilson, and it's got to be a tough one for for Pete to answer, right? I <laughs> yeah. mean, like you you got to go, hey, you know, the fans are going to do what they're going to do, but what do you think, Rich? What do you think the the, the reception is going to be for Russell? 
Well, I, I, I tend to agree with Tyler. I saw what Tyler said earlier in the week uh, about, you know, hey, this is a guy that played hard, gave everything he had, uh, helped win a Super Bowl and lead us to a, another one for 10 years. So when he comes to the stadium, when he comes out for, for warm-ups or whatever, I, I expect him to be received with, with a lot of gratitude and respect. And then I, I figure that he's going to get blasted a few times. And when he does, the cheering is going to be for the Seattle defense and not, not for him. Uh, and they may, they may even throw a boo or two in if he happens to get lucky and throw a touchdown pass. So I, I, think, he'll be, I think he'll be remembered for all the, the great stuff he did for us and not so much about how, you know, the, the, quote, marriage was broken up after 10 years, but those things happen. Hey, Rabel, one of the things I love about week one is just the unknown, right? What's this defense going to look like? How much influence does Russell have on this offense? And for me, that that sets up a, a sloppy game to start. I'm expecting like a, a heavyweight fight. You're just throwing some jabs, trying to fill each other out. What type of game do you expect early on um, during the game? Well, you know, we didn't see anything out of the virtually out of the offense or defense, at least for the Seahawks uh, during preseason. We wanted to keep everything close to the vest. We didn't see a lot of the kind of aggressive play or, uh, you know, kind of blitzing and those sorts of things that uh, I know Clint Hurt wants to do. This year on defense, we didn't see any of the starters, Diggs or Adams or uh, very little of some of the other guys up front, Al Woods, Shelby Harris, didn't see much of them. So, you know, the sky's the limit for this defense. The one thing that they have, that they maybe didn't have as much of last year. I mean, throw Jordan Brooks into this mix because he's he's a four or five guy, but they've got more speed on defense, the Seahawks do right now. So they can do a lot of things and maybe get to Russ. And, you know, as much as we all love Russ and, and we hope he continues on for a long time and we hope to see the Broncos again in the Super Bowl someday, his legs aren't what they used to be. And, you know, Dave and I talked about this in the booth for the last couple of seasons. He he just sort of can't get out of harm's way like he used to. And let's face it, you know, he's over 30 years old. That happens when you get hit that, get hit that many times. So I expect to have some uh, uncork some things for him defensively. Offensively, uh, I think we'll stay a little closer to the vest than perhaps Russ would have. Uh, I don't foresee us throwing a lot of deep shots unless they're there. But mostly, I, I want to see us run the football, run it well, and, and control the time of possession. You know what happens so many times in the last couple of seasons is the offense comes on for three, goes off, and then the defense is out there for a 12-play drive, and they can't get off the field. Can't, can't have that this year. Speaking of the uh, run game, Rabes, we are iffy so far on rookie Ken Walker, though I think all eyes are going to be on Rashad Penny anyway. It's kind of his time to shine here. He took off at the end of last year. Maybe DJ Dallas is out there backing him up. But speaking of the run game, how do you like their chances specifically against Denver to get that going? Well, you know, Denver's got a, a pretty good defense, and they've got some veterans up there. They've got some guys. DJ Jones played with San Francisco for a long time. He's good. Randy Gregory kind of been an up-and-down career, but mostly because he's, what, been suspended a half a dozen times by the league. But he's at an outside linebacker position, but he's a, still a big guy, and he can help stop the run. So they got some good players, Bradley Chubb on the other side, uh, at the out, one of the outside backers. So they can stop the run um, in that 4-3. I got a feeling that the way they're going to try to defend against the Seahawks is to load up near the line of scrimmage. They know that Pete wants to get the ball to Rashad Penny. They know that DJ Dallas and Travis Homer both had pretty good training camps, both ran the ball well, and that this offensive line 
veteran, you know, in the middle and as young as you can get on the edges with Cross and Lucas, you know, they're they're liable to make some mistakes. But I, I was overall pleased. I don't know how Dave felt, but I was overall pleased with the way they played in preseason in the run game. Um, you know, not as not talking about the pass game as much, which is what both of those guys did a lot of. So I expect to see a, a, a little closer to the vest kind of offense. And then, you know, if Gino gets a shot, if, if, if DK is running downfield, you know, open, Gino proved last year when he played that he likes to throw the ball to DK and he can get it to him downfield. Yeah, you know, uh, what about uh, – I thought in the in the preseason, Raves, that um, both Travis Homer and DJ Dallas kind of upped their upside. Like, you know, before I was like, yeah, they're guys, they can – but I, I thought both of them really, really proved themselves and, and, and really uh, acquitted themselves as far as, you know, taking that next step at running back. But with, with Rashad Penny, the thing I'm so curious, Raves, about is that – you know, you mentioned the run game, but usually when it clicks for a player, it, you know, the light bulb goes on, it tends to stay on. Like once you get that, and if you're a, a first-round talent like Rashad Penny, you know, you'd think that it, the the light would stay on. But what do you think? I mean, do, do you think that that's enough that we – are we going to see the guy that we saw at the end of the year, or, or are we going to see the guy that's in and out of the lineup? You know, I, I – I... I think it might take a little while, and I don't mean games, but I mean maybe a few series into this opening game where he starts to find that rhythm. Remember, he played a few plays early, looked good in preseason, looked good, hit the line of scrimmage fast, and then all of a sudden kind of had a sore groin muscle, and that was that. We didn't see him anymore through preseason. But, you know, he still he's that guy that we saw at the end of last year. That was not a fluke. I, I don't want to say that the first couple of years when he was hurt all the time was a fluke, but remember when he came here from San Diego state, he never got hurt in college. So to come here into the pros, I know it was just exasperating for him through the first couple of seasons. And then finally, you know, it all came together last year. It had to come together at the end of last season because he knew he was playing for his, his career, at least here in Seattle. And I think he had some great advice. I think ADA, I think AP Adrian Peterson came in and just really, was an example for him at the end of last season on how to be a real pro. And that's what he wants to be. He wants to be the bell cow for this team offensively. Quiet though he is, but he will make plays. And whether it takes the first series or the first half, he'll still make his plays. Hey, Rabel, I know you have to pay attention to the whole game and describe it in the beautiful ways that you do. But if you could lock in on one player um, for a full series, who would that player be? Wow, for a full series. Uh, I'm not sure if there's anything about Rabel that's beautiful. uh... (laughs) Okay, (laughs) Wyman. By the way, let me just mention, uh, I'm in Denver. Sharon and I are here for our niece's wedding. And so I was just, I was kind of outside walking around the other day. And like I'm prone to do as a former news guy, I like doing man on the streets. And so I, I mentioned to some people, I said, you know, I'm my broadcast partner is a former Denver Bronco, Dave Wyman. And they all said, who? <laughs> Get them, Raves. Oh, man, yeah, it was I the setup for me. It was I the setup. coming. <laughs> so, well, no. Get it out um, of your system now. It is. It is. At least at least till Monday night, and then all bets are off. Um, one guy I want to watch for an entire series. Okay, how about, uh, how about Quandre Diggs? Love it. I want to watch him for an entire series. I want to watch him drop back, uh, cover deep middle. I want to watch him come up like a rocket ship and make plays on, on crossing routes 
and come up and, and help stop the run and get everybody, especially those young cornerbacks, in the right spots. He, he's a guy that I would watch every play if I could. All right. He is Seahawks play-by-play man. Steve Rabel joins us every single Thursday for the huddle. Thanks, Rabes. See you guys Monday. See you, See ya. Oh, man, I'm getting so excited for Monday now that we're rounding into this. Uh, speaking of uh, Monday, as you know, Seahawks facing the Broncos, as if one former linebacker wasn't already enough for this show. We're bringing on another. That's already too, too many for me. But uh, Chad Brown going to join us next. Don't go anywhere. And Chad Brown joining us now. Uh, Chad, you got us? I do. How are you guys doing? We are well. Thank you so much for joining us for a preview. Uh, I'm going to give you the other half of the question that I that I just <laughs> threw towards my co-host uh, to hear it uh, from an analyst who's covering this team. Um, we we have heard plenty about Denver's uh, weapons, right? When Russell Wilson was traded there, one of the big talking points was, well, he's going to have these great receiving weapons. Tell us a bit of what we're going to see on Monday. Well, I think there's more possibility and uh, than there actually is production. Corlin Sutton made a Pro Bowl a couple of years ago, but he had an ACL injury uh, two years ago and kind of limped his way through last year. Uh, Tim Patrick was lost in the offseason to an ACL injury. Jerry Judy had zero touchdowns last year. And K.J. Hamler is now in year three. Year one was lost to hamstring issues. And year two was lost, well, lost to an ACL injury that also needed offseason surgery for ACL and hip surgery. So there's been uh, uh, some, you know, lack of comfort with where these wide receivers really are uh, because Coach Hackett hasn't played anybody outside of K.J. Hamler in the preseason, it's very difficult to evaluate where this offense is. On paper, it looks great. you got three highly drafted receivers, guys who have had some production, uh, but not with this coach and not with this quarterback. Uh, Javante Williams is a guy who broke a lot of tackles in college, broke tackles in the NFL, uh, but how does he work with the outside zone scheme that's new with this coaching staff? And then uh, the best tight end in the Broncos organization is now Seattle Seahawks and Noah Fant. So, again, there's possibility, uh, there's, there's optimism, but there's very little actual concrete production to say these guys are going to absolutely get it done. Hey, Chad, we uh, recently on our, our show did a segment, the Mount Rushmore of Seahawks linebackers. Lots of people had Chad Brown on there. We had Lofa, Bobby, KJ, Chad Brown. Mount Rushmore of oh, linebackers well, for Seahawks. Just wanted to tell you that. That's, uh, that feels very good to, to know I made a, a lasting <laughs> impact because I'm old now. I still remember. It feels good. How about the, the, some of the pass rushers for, um, for the, the Broncos? I'm looking at Bradley Chubb, Randy Gregory. They got, went and got DJ Jones, paid him a, a good amount of money. Is, what's, uh, what's sort of the, the strength and the weakness of, of that defense? I think it's a, it kind of mirrors that receiver room where there's possibility, but there's not consistent, sustained production to, to back it up. Randy Gregory, the most sacks he's ever had was six sacks. Yeah. Um, he certainly has had some forced fumbles. He's, uh, you know, when he's been available, either not due to suspension or due to uh, injury, which is causing him to be unavailable or not available, um, he's had some pretty good seasons. But uh, he has yet to play a full 16 games. Uh, Bradley Chubb, kind of like Jerry Judy, an early draft pick for the Broncos, whose tenure with the Broncos hasn't been what folks expected. He was a fifth pick in the draft. Everyone was expecting a generational player. It was a guy who had zero sacks last year. Now, he was nicked up most of the year, and uh, tip of the cap and kudos to him for just being available some of those weeks. But, you know, the production wasn't there. So 
it's a possibility that the Broncos have a great pass rush, but it's not a guaranteed thing. And behind those guys, Baron Browning, who had a good preseason, moved from inside linebacker to outside linebacker, seemed to get more comfortable as the weeks went along. And then Nick Benito, who was the third-round draft choice this year, uh, he got better as the preseason went along as well. So guys like D.J. Jones who push the pocket from the inside, but I think it's really going to be about that edge group. Um, and, again, uh, we're a little uncertain as to what we are going to get just because there's been so many injuries that have uh, prevented Randy Gregory and from Bradley Chubb ever really reaching their full potential. Hey, Chad, I'm, I'm kind of wondering what we're going to see, too, especially with Russell Wilson and – um, Hackett having a, a partnership with that offense. But I do look at numbers from the defense from last year, number three in the league when it comes to points allowed, uh, number eight against the pass. Do you see a situation where the Broncos come out and lean on the defense to start the game, or do you think Russell has the keys to the car? Let's open this thing up and see what it does. I think it's going to be the defense leading this team for the first couple of weeks. With the new coach and the new offense for everybody, um, and he and Russell trying to put their brains together to, you know, formulate offense that works for both of them. This offensive line is asked to learn a new run blocking scheme, the outside zone scheme. The backs are being asked to learn that scheme as well. So there's so much newness. It's really difficult for me to imagine them hitting the ground uh, on Monday night and hitting on all cylinders. Um, the lack of preseason play, none of the starters outside of KJ Hamler uh, and an occasional tight end or two have played in the preseason. So the action in Seattle with that crowd noise, it's hard to imagine that offense really being going 100 miles an hour. Defensively, it's a lot of carryover. Uh, Evero Ejiro, the defensive coordinator, runs the same scheme that Vic Banjo ran for the last three years. So there's some terminology differences, but really the structure of the defense is very similar. So I expect the defense and the run game to be the parts that Nathaniel Hackett leans upon early and not just asking Russell Wilson to go back and light it up out there on game one on Monday night. Hey, Chad, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to talk to, to Ross, but I'm just curious your your impressions. Um, I just I got nothing bad to say about the guy. <laughs> I mean, everybody here is a little like a scorned lover, but, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I just think he, he's a good guy. I'm not sure if you got a chance to talk to him, but what's been the impression uh, that he's given you? Well, obviously, you know, Russell come, comes in and says, and expectations here just go through the roof. Tim Patrick, who's now lost for the season with an ACL injury during training camp, he said it's Super Bowl or bust. I think that's a little too optimistic. I think it's a great mindset for a player to have. But as far as the expectations around town, everyone's expecting the Broncos to be a playoff team. Uh, maybe not a deep run, but a playoff team. Obviously, this is a very difficult division with Patrick Mahomes, with Derek Carr, with Justin Herbert, now Russell Wilson. And maybe the quarter, best quarterback division of all time in NFL history. So, uh, you know, your improvement is not just in a vacuum. So while folks here in town are in love with Russell Wilson, uh, we'll see how this season plays out and where they stack up in the AFC West. You know, they've lost 13 times in a row to the Kansas City Chiefs. you got to find a way to, to beat them. So the expectations for Russell are high, not just to be a good character in the city and do all the charitable things that he does, but folks are expecting a Super Bowl. Peyton Manning brought a Super Bowl. John Elway brought a Super Bowl. They're expecting the same things from Russell Wilson. Um, I think that the expectations are a bit high for year one, but down the road we'll see what he can bring. 
All right. He is a former Seahawks linebacker, current NFL analyst joining us this time uh, to give us a preview of the team playing opposite Seattle. Chad Brown on the line with us for the huddle. Chad, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for the time, guys. I certainly appreciate it. All right, interesting there, you guys. And we'll bring on John Boyle here for the huddle. Very interesting to hear the idea from Chad just now that the Denver offense, uh, that maybe there aren't the highest expectations in the world. I feel like this has been the entire conversation, right? Look out for Russell Wilson with his receivers. He's going to put up a million points against the Seahawks defense that's young, that has some inexperience. But we have heard now from a few folks, and Bump, you know this also, uh, earlier with Bump and Stacy of a low-scoring game as a potential. Uh, just now from Chad Brown, maybe the defense, hits the ground running and the offense still has to get firing on all cylinders really interesting stuff that we've learned today during the huddle we are wrapping things up with john boyle going to learn a bit more about who may or may not be available monday night and then take a final look a final preview of monday night football don't go anywhere john boyle <laughs> john seahawks still reporter out my headset. i know you got the short one i was going to switch you but right. uh yeah can, thanks i for can be- lean forward <laughs> thanks for being a good sport so i wanted to get started with the boring questions but the important ones who may or may not be ready monday night any big names you know we we don't have an official injury report yet but just we can go off what Pete Carroll told us it sounds like you know they don't know yet about Ken Walker he went through the walkthrough today doing some running kind of similar with Damian Lewis there Uh, Alton Robinson will not go he's not ready yet with that knee injury he had from the preseason and then uh trying to think who else he mentioned. Boy, Amafe, sounds like he's in good shape. He's got that That's shoulder, good. but he's a full go, Pete Carroll said. Sidney Jones is back as well. So mostly healthy, but there's a few guys we'll have to wait and see in the report. I'm going to ask, ask you the same question I asked for Abel. What do you think about, at the end of the year, what are we going to look back and say about Rashad Penny? Uh, you know, for me, the biggest thing, I really hope that we're saying he got through a season healthy. And look, for running back, that doesn't necessarily mean 17 games. Those guys get banged up. But I'll take 12. I would love to see. I was going to say yeah. 14. But, yeah, I'd love to see a, a pretty full season. And I think we're going to, you know, I would bet on seeing that. I know the history there. But as he talked about when he talked to us yesterday, it's a situation where these aren't like he pulled a hamstring and all these things just out of nowhere. It's he tore his ACL. And then in those long recoveries, other little injuries creep up, and now he feels like he's past all that. He showed last season what he can do fully healthy, and it was incredible. So I hope we're just talking about a guy who has a healthy, really productive season. Boy, I look at the the secondary, and I see some old guys. I see some young guys. But I see a position with probably the most potential to kind of change the perception of who they were last year. How do you look at that situation? Especially at cornerback. I mean, I think coming in, we're all expecting as long as they're healthy, they should be really good at safety because you got two pro bowlers back there and Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams. But I think a lot of the outside perception at cornerback was this is a real weakness potentially, you know, a lot of concerns. But when you look at, you know, what they've gotten out of the rookies, especially Tariq Woolen, he's right now listed as a starter on the depth chart and he's played like a starter when he's been out there. Um, you know, we've seen really good things out of Sidney Jones when he's healthy going back to last season. So whether he's out there or Mike Jackson, who's been, you know, one of the real bright spots in training camp, he's listed number one in the depth chart right now. He could get the start. So whoever's out there, I know they have a lot of confidence in. And then, you know, we didn't even talk about Kobe Bryant, everything he's done. Artie Burns looked really good when healthy. So it's just it went from a group that I think there were a ton of questions about coming into camp mm-hmm. to feeling really deep and talented right now. We were debating this earlier, so I wanted to throw it your way, but what kind of advantage or disadvantage do you have when you're plenty familiar with uh, each other as a team? Like Pete Carroll knows Russell Wilson well. Russell Wilson knows Pete Carroll well, but what's a bit different and and what's to the advantage with this? It's really interesting, that chess match, because 
as much as the Seahawks know Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson knows a lot right. of the Seahawks, what the Seahawks are going to do defensively is different than what Russ saw in practice. And the offense Russ is going to be running, they don't know exactly what that's going to look like because it's a new head coach running a new scheme. You know, there's going mm-hmm. to be things they can look at that they did in Green Bay. They're, they know there's things Russ likes. So it's going to kind of be this feeling out process early on for both sides of it, who that benefits more. I don't know. I mean, obviously, being a Seahawks guy, I hope it benefits the Seahawks <laughs> defense more, but we'll have to wait and see. Hey, uh, Al Woods being the uh, named a captain, I thought was really cool. Yeah, because you know him. he opted out in twenty. He's here in nineteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, opted out in twenty twenty, and then last year he was just a battler in there. But what's what's sort of his presence? I know that a lot of times the, the the players they they look up to certain guys. He's obviously one of them. Yeah, and he's not necessarily at least what we see. I mean, I'm sure in the locker room privately he might be a more outspoken but he's not the type that you think of as this big outspoken leader but he's just a guy that does everything the right way works really hard you know tremendous effort you see you know a guy his age and his size running down the field making plays you know chasing a running back down the field that that kind of stuff it shows up in other guys and they they learn from that it's a good example that he sets so just a cool situation so you guys been in the league that long get rewarded with that honor and it's well deserved Boy, I look at the wide receiver depth, and I get excited. Obviously, DK and and Lockett, but D. Eskridge, we've been waiting on him for a long time, and I feel like he's just a different type of receiver. Do you expect him to get the bulk of the third receiver reps, or do you think Marquise Goodwin and Penny Hart will be in the mix as well? It, it, that's a great question. It's funny somebody asked that in the, the weekly mailbag we do, and I, I don't have a great feel for that yet at all. I think it could kind of develop as the season goes along. You know, two weeks in training camp, it looked like Marquise Goodwin was pretty clearly mm-hmm. that guy while Eskridge was hurt. Then Marquise gets hurt. Now they're both back. You know, I could see a situation where maybe they get fairly even playing time early on, and then maybe one guy mm-hmm. takes a hold of it or not. But I do think you'll probably see quite a bit of both those guys. Penny Hart has done nothing but kind of prove people wrong for a right. long time. You look at his, his size, small school guy, and he looks like maybe he doesn't belong. But he just keeps earning spots on this team. He's a great special teams guy, so I'd, I'd never bet against him in anything. Uh, now, I don't want to take a step back. Geno Smith has been named the starter and was named the starter immediately following the final preseason game. But you've been in the building, Boyle. You know these guys well. You talk to players. You talk to coaches uh, as well as people within the organization. Do you know how Drew's been handling that? Or what's that relationship like between those two? I mean, I, the relationship between them seems to be really good. You know, both guys have talked throughout this competition about supporting each other. Um, Drew Locke, you know, was really stand up about it right after mm-hmm. the after that we learned Geno was going to start. He came up, met with the media. And he talked immediately about, you know, his job is to help support Geno Smith now. And he's still going to compete. And there's a shot we see him play this year. But, yeah, he, he just seems like a guy whose head is really in the right place. He's going to be disappointed, obviously. He wanted to be the starter. But I think he's still going to be a guy that's, you know, doing all the right things and helping out his teammates. You know, a guy I was really excited about and uh, in the preseason was Travis Homer. Mm-hmm. I felt like he, he upped his upside. Like he, he – kind of showed you that he's not just a guy like he had a couple of runs like the, there was a cutback run that just had everything mm-hmm. you know he's jumping over people did they did did pete talk about that and does that maybe make us feel a little bit better at running back because kenneth walker and rashad penny both you know questionable as far as their uh, their health yeah i mean pete carroll he talked about both him and dj dallas as being guys that you know probably had their best training camp in preseason they both just look you know, more decisive. Travis Homer the last two years has really bulked up and just become a really physical player, which, you know, he always was on special teams. But you're right. I mean, he does – I kind of put them both in this category. They just looked 
like much more legitimate if you needed to lean on them and give them a bunch of carries like they could be productive versus being a guy you use in a spot situation or as your third down back or things like that so you know penny's going to be the guy and when walker's healthy i think he probably is going to be the the second leader in terms of carries and all that but i think all four of those guys they feel really good about turnovers and sacks on defense right that's what this defense needs and obviously for sacks you're going to lean on dt a little bit um, talk about Boya Mafe, his health, and just uh, the the potential of this young man to kind of help change this defense. Yeah, you know, the, the shoulder injury he had was really unfortunate because he came on so strong in that first preseason game, had the two sacks, looked so good, you know, looked just like Cliff Averill ripping that ball mm-hmm. out as he came around the corner. So, um, you know, he, it sounds like he's fine health-wise. He's practicing. Pete Carroll seemed pretty optimistic that we'll see him. And now it's just going to be about the development. I mean, they're not going to ask him to be an every down guy. It seems like Chen Wilson and Daryl Taylor will be the starters on the outside there, but they're going to count on boy being a part of that pass rush and getting after the quarterback using that um, really high level athleticism to get after it. So they're, they're excited about that whole group. Those edge rushers, they're, you know, speed wise, I'm not gonna say they're the best they've been on the edge because they've had some really good edge rushers here, but just sheer speed and athletic ability. This is about as good as we've seen. All right, we're going to do a quick one minute round table here. Uh, John, this started out as an interview, but I'm going to keep you around Uh for final thoughts. Uh, You, Wyman, and then Bump in that order going to sound off. Here's my challenge for the three of you as a final thought. We know that protecting the football and and it's all about the ball. That's a huge part of Pete Carroll's program. So outside of just protecting the football, what is the key to a win for the Seahawks Monday night? I mean, it ties to that conversation with protecting football and getting the ball away. To me, it's pass rush. Get, yeah. you know, get after Russell Wilson, make him uncomfortable, uh, you know, find ways to get guys home. And even if you're not getting sacks, hit him, move him around, just, you know, make it, don't make it easy for him. And yeah. if you can do that, I think you might have a chance at some turnovers and you do that. I think that could flip the script of this game quite a bit. I will add that you guys are allowed to say same unless you want to add something well, that's else. Boring. Uh, I'll go uh, 150 <laughs> Bump's going to have the hardest gig. <laughs> 150 plus rushing. 150 plus rushing. Yeah, nice. they get That's the running game going. That obviously helps out. Uh, helps out um, Geno Smith. By the way, you know, and I did this projection. Projection. Uh, if you go based off of his numbers last year, Geno, he would only throw four interceptions this year. Mm. Now you got to play it out. You know, past performance. But if you look at his his stretch, and the one interception he threw last year was the Tyler Lockett where got he fell tripped up. up yeah. Right, Explosive fun. plays. Explosive plays. Explosive plays. Gino, Wrapped I know you're going to take care of the ball, but throw the ball down the field. Let 14 and 16 work for you. All right. This... The receiver says that, of course. Of course. <laughs> Get the ball down the field. <laughs> Definitely throw it to DK and Tyler. This has been the huddle. Thank you, John Boyle, for joining us. Read his work at Seahawks.com. Uh, for Dave Wyman, for Michael Bumpus, I'm Stacey Ross. We'll see you guys next week.